Hello, welcome to Getting Lumped Up with Rob Rossi, and this is The Rock Show with Rocker Mike. Good morning, everybody. Um, good morning. Today is April the 28th. Yeah, you got it right today. Shit, first time ever. <laughs> um, and I got to tell you people, I am fucking tired. Oh, yeah. I got to give a uh, shout out to uh, Sasha and Lee for a great party last night. I was there. I did a live podcast. I uh, interviewed people. And it was a pretty interesting show, and I got lumped up. Well, it looked like you did. I saw some of that video. <laughs> Without question. <laughs> oh, man. It looked like a good party. Too bad I missed it. You missed Alaska yeah. stepping on top of fucking Kevin Carpet. It was priceless. Oh, it was fucking priceless. <laughs> so, Mike, what is the topic today? Who are we okay. talking about today? We are going to talk about the uh, probably the most successful band, or one of the most successful bands that ever come out of this city. Uh, that's called Blondie. And uh, there's a lot of history here with this band, and, and everybody knows Debbie Harry and stuff, so yeah. I'm going to talk about that with you, you know. Um, where do you want to start? So, pretty much, they, um, they're an American band. They're, mm -hmm. they're an American band. Yep, yep. And it's uh, Debbie Harry and a guy named Chris Stein that were the pioneers of, yeah, of the... Yeah, basically... Uh, of New Wave Punk, pretty much. They were, you know, they were part of the uh, the original CBGB bands, um, and again, that scene, I've, I've said this before, that scene was very, uh, every band was different, alright, so every band had their own sound, Blondie was more of a pop band with like an edge, they were a little quirky, uh, you know, and then you just had this beautiful singer yeah. that, you know, you couldn't keep your eyes off of, so, you know, they were very unique. Um, you, you want to hear that, like, you're, you're right, because their music had an element of, like, disco, reggae, pop, and she yeah. was almost like one of the first rappers. Well, yeah, Rapture, <laughs> when that yeah. song came out, was really the first rap song to ever be popular. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was like, I think it was top five or something da, da, like that. Da, 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 da. Yeah, you know? I was like, I But, you know, that. it took, you know, in the beginning, they, 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 were, they were pretty much, uh, you know, pop and with elements of punk and, and rock in it, you know, and even like uh, references to uh, 60s girl groups and stuff like that, uh, they were known to cover um, a Shangri-La song called Out in the Streets um, in the early days, and so they, they were kind of like a, a mix of things, you know, eventually some disco got in there, some early hip-hop got in there, some reggae got in there, you know, but, you know, Deb Debbie was born in uh, 1945. Okay, and she grew up in Hawthorne, New Jersey, and she was actually an adopted kid. Um, oh, shit, I didn't yeah, know that. yeah, she was adopted. Um, pretty normal childhood. Uh, she was always interested in uh, art, uh, art, performance art, things like that, uh, music, um, and she uh, used to, as a teenager, just you know take the train into the city and just wander around and soak up everything that was going on at that time. This was the you know, early 60s, mid 60s. So there's a lot happening, especially in the village where she was hanging out. And um, uh, eventually she ended up in a band and they were called The Wind in the Willows. I heard of that. Okay, yeah, they had one album and she was like a backup singer. And uh, the album really didn't do well. It, you know, they, they played a little bit um, and eventually they, they broke up after like a short time. I think the album came out about 1967, 68, and I'd say within a year or so, it, it, the band was no more. Um, 
at that point, she was kind of unsure what she was going to do with her life, you know, at that time. So she was probably about 23, 24 years old. She ended up being a Playboy bunny, briefly. Wow. She ended up uh, also being a waitress at Max's Kansas City. And that's where she connected with a lot of people. Um, you know, at that point, it was, you know, 1970, and, you know, Warhol was hanging out. Uh, 71, 72, Alice Cooper was hanging out, uh, the dolls were hanging out, so it was, the, you know, Max's was the place to be. Everybody that came into town, it didn't, wasn't just musicians, it was, you know, movie stars. Everybody. They yeah, went everybody, went, everybody, if you came into town, you stopped it at Max's, that was just a thing to do, you know. Um, 1974, she joined another band called the Stilettos. Yeah. And they were kind of based on a girl group concept. Uh, you had a woman named Elder Stiletto. Um, and they played around, uh, they didn't last too long. I want to say they lasted about, with her in it, they lasted about maybe a year, a little less. Uh, and one of the problems they had in that band is they always had problems keeping musicians. So they had connected with a guy named Chris Stein who played guitar. Chris was involved with the Magic Tramps, Eric Everson and the Magic Tramps, and he, you know, moved over to the Stilettos, became the guitar player. Uh, short, very shortly after that, um, Debbie and, and him, you know, were together. They struck up a relationship, and, you know, it was a very strong relationship. And she left the Stilettos and wanted to put together a band with Chris Stein. Yeah. And originally, um, they had. She was singing, and you had uh, Chris on guitar. You had Billy O'Connor, who was the Stilettos drummer. He left to, to join that band with them. And Fred Smith, who was the bass player, and he ended up eventually being in television. That's Most people know him from that. Um, they did two shows with that lineup. They weren't called Blondie. They were called Angel and the Snake. Angel and the Snake. Angel and the Snake. What they did, yeah, they did two shows like that. And... Um, by August of 74, I guess they, they changed their name. They decided Angel and the Snake wasn't good. So they changed it to Blondie. And basically that was uh, taken from her hair, Debbie's hair. Uh, she would get, you know, harassed on the streets. Garbage men would catcall her, that kind of stuff. Hey, Blondie, you know, like that. So that's why they decided to do that. Um, they became like a regular band at CBGB's at that point and Max's too, they were playing. Um, she had that connection still at Max's. And by spring of 75, um, they had another lineup change. They hooked up with Clem Burke uh, for drums. And um, Gary Valentine joined on bass. They picked up Jimmy Destry on keyboards. Now, up until that point, that lineup change, they kind of were not taken too seriously. Yeah, because okay. they look at here, they, um, and the first two albums contain Storm Edelman of, a uh, Well, this is before, of, this is before of, the of albums came out. Of rock, like, they were, like, rock, because they're, like, more of rock, and, like, like, they weren't, they, they had, like, their own gender, they weren't really, and they were more, like, underground band, they weren't really popular. No, well, they were playing CBs. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were unknown. Unknown, You know, yeah. I mean, look, the CBs scene at that time was, you know, a three-square-block area. You know, everybody was, and everybody was in the audience were in the other bands. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's really, that's really how that started. Um, <clears throat> but up until they did that lineup change, they weren't really taking that seriously. In fact, some people were saying they're like one of the worst bands in town. <laughs> but once they got that lineup change, that was, there was just something in the chemistry of all of them and yeah. it just all came together. Um, 
they decided to uh, do a demo at that point, and what they did was uh, they did a, a couple of songs on demo, and it was shown to uh, Private Stock Records. They signed them to record an album. Okay, Private Stock was a small label. Uh, they did the first album, and it was released in December of 1976. Uh, it was produced by Richard Goddard, who was the guy that was in the, uh, the Strange Loves. He was a, a guy who wrote My Boyfriend's Back. My Boyfriend's okay. Back. Because <laughs> you know, uh, he, he worked for the Brill Building and all that in the early 60s. Uh, he also wrote Hang On Sloopy. So, you know, he was very popular on, on the scene still at that point. Um, they were doing well on that label. And... Um, what they did was, by the end of 77, approximately, summer of 77 or towards the end of 77, they actually got signed to Chrysalis. It was interesting. They bought themselves out of their contract with private stock and re-signed with Chrysalis. So Chrysalis now, big label, with a lot of access to the UK and stuff, um, it were going to be their label. And they re-released the first album in October of 77. Now... Later on that year, um, in Australia, they had a hit, okay, and it was kind of like an accident how it happened. Yeah. The original single was Ex Offender from the first album on, on the A-side, and a ballad called In the Flesh on the B-side. Yeah. And there was like a, a show in Australia, it was like a top of the pops kind of American bandstand kind yeah. of show. And I think that what happened was they, there was a mix-up and somehow the B-side was played instead of the A-side, and that actually became the big hit um, they ended up touring Australia as a result of that and some of the places actually had riots and stuff they were you know huge there for like yeah. you know that one song in the flesh which is a great song yeah. it's a power ballad type, yeah. type song um, anything you want to add to that no um, no I'm just saying I'm just saying because like they really didn't get recognized into like that the third album, right? The yeah. Parallel, yeah. Parallel Lines, but before, right? Before you get into that, they did release a second album. A second and, album, Right, yeah. and that's called Plastic Letters. Now, I love this album. It's uh, it's an offbeat kind of album. It's different than any of their other albums. Yeah. And even different from the first album. And it's a great album cover. It's like Debbie and the band, you know, Debbie's sitting on the, the hood of a police car. Okay. <laughs> I, and, I remember yeah, that. I yeah, remember yeah, yeah. That. That's a great album cover. And uh, with that album, it was released in February of 78, and they had done a cover of Randy and the Rainbow's Denise, Denise. but she changed it to Denis, which is French for Dennis. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that became a top 10 hit in the UK. Um, it was at that point that uh, Gary Valentine had left the band over differences. So let me ask you, they were a bigger hit. They were an American band, but they were a bigger hit at in first. Europe. In England, at In first. England than here in America. Yeah. yeah, they were recognized in England by the second album. And a lot of that had to do with Chrysalis. Uh, Chrysalis was, I don't recall if they were UK-based. They might have been, but, but they were definitely had a lot of pull in the UK and okay. was able to, to promote them in the right way. And, uh, you know, I mean, but think about it. How hard was it to really promote Blondie? I mean, you just yeah. stick Debbie in front yeah, and everybody's front, getting... It. I mean, you know, if you look at those old videos and stuff and, and old live footage of her or even just pictures in yeah, magazines... Yeah, she was a gorgeous woman. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Um, and, you know, at that point she was like 30 years old too. Okay, because, like I said, she was yeah. born in 45, so she yeah. was a little older than everybody else. Yeah. But still just absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. Yeah. 
And um, so, like I said, Gary Valentine left the band, and they ended up getting uh, Frank Infante. Um, they had a couple of switches around. Frank ended up being the guitar player and bass player, but mostly he played guitar. They had another song called uh, Always Touched by Your Presence, which was a, it's a great pop song. Um, and that actually went top ten in England. They added uh, Nigel Harrison on bass. Yeah. Okay. He's the guy with the, the curly hair. Yeah. Okay. And, um, but the guy Frank is a special motherfucker. Yeah. Frank, <laughs> we'll, we'll I, you talk know, about him. Yeah, for Frank's, Frank's a, a great guitar player, but we could talk a little more a little after later, about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so at that point, they were actually a six-piece band, if you count Jimmy Destry on yeah. keyboards. So, you know, there was a lot going on there. There was a big sound, um, and they were getting ready now to do a third album. Yeah. Okay, and this would be the album that would break it open for them. Yeah, because uh, they had like some of the hits were Heart of Glass. Right, we're Call talking me, about Parallel Rapture, Lines. Yeah, Parallel Lines. Yeah. And the tie is high. No, that's, uh, you got it wrong. You oh, jumped the, ahead. Oh, shit. Uh, Rapture. No, no that was Ra another, yeah. Rapture, Rapture and uh, Tide is High yeah. is, auto, is the Auto American album. Yeah, Auto American. We're up to the third album, which is yeah, Parallel which is Lines. Yeah, Heart of Glass yeah. and Call Me. Heart of Glass, uh, oh, yeah. One Way or Another. One Way or Another. Okay, Hanging on the Telephone. A uh, song called Picture This. Picture This was a good yeah, song. Yeah, that I was a very good song. song. And uh cover of the Buddy Holly song, uh, I'm Gonna Love You Too. That yeah. one, that was good. Pretty Baby. There's a lot of, like, that That album is, is That's like, a very good album. Fantastic. And that that broke them open in America, finally. Okay, it took three albums to do it. Um, one thing about that album, Were well, they were still with the same label? Or were they were yeah, yeah, no, they were Chrysalis. All right. Yeah, Chrysalis was, was uh, definitely promoting them right now. And uh, they ended up, uh, that album was produced by Mike Chapman, who was a great producer who did a lot of sweet records and ended up doing Pat Benatar later on. And, you know, he had a great reputation in the business for getting you a hit. And uh, he did. And that was, you know, Heart of Glass is on that album. And that was their first, you know, major, major, major hit. It ended up being number one uh, in America and uh, the UK. And, uh, you know, some people feel like that song is a bit of a sellout. I, I don't agree with that. I mean, it's a disco song. Okay. But, you know, disco was something that, I'll be honest with you, I think a lot of people, even in the rock world, were listening to it if they, they didn't want to admit it at that time, you know. Um, well, disco at that time was as popular as they, they, they pretty much were parallel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was this element of like, okay, if you if you're a rocker, you can't like disco, and if you're a disco fanatic, you can't like rock and roll. It's kind of stupid. Uh, there were good songs in both genres. Actually, when you listen to disco now, some of it's damn good. Uh, you know, there's lots of acts that I used to kind of hate, and then when I hear them now, I go, man, it's not so bad. Um, but uh, you know, some people felt that song was a sellout. I don't agree, but. It was a big hit for them, and it put them over the edge here in the United States. Uh, the other singles off the album was Picture This, Hanging on the Telephone, One Way or Another. Uh, the album ended up selling 20 million copies worldwide. Okay, and it'll be a number one album here in the States and the UK. So, huge. You could, I mean, as a kid, I, you couldn't get away from that album. You know, I remember that was the first thing I ever heard from them. Yeah. So it was like 1978. I was a kid, but you know, I, I was always into music, and I re I can remember too. You know, I was that, six years old. Yeah, I was nine. <laughs> okay, but you know, one thing that I loved to do as a kid at that time, and it was huge, was roller skating. Right? Remember how big yeah. roller skating was? Oh, big time. Okay, and you would hear they would play that album. 
in a roller rinks. You know, when you went to roller, roller rinks, also, it was pretty much a lot of disco and a lot of like very popular music that would play. I think, I think two bands that I probably heard for the first time in a roller rink, well, disco obviously was, was always played, but first two bands was like Blondie and The Cause. Yeah, The Cause. You know, um, that first Cause record was, was always played in the yeah. roller rinks. You know, and um, it just was, you know, you listen to that album now, it still holds up. Oh yeah, you can take that up. album now. And I think it'll be a hit. You know, I bet it people, would. People, people, I bet it people. would. If you released it today, it probably would. I'm, I'm telling you. And again, you know, this is a, like that. Yeah. I mean, no, there's nothing that sounds like that. Well, yeah. nobody, nobody can sing anymore. Everything is no. auto tune, and you know, oh. uh, she actually could sing. You know, yeah. I mean, she wasn't a great, great singer, not trained, but it doesn't matter because her voice was distinctive, and it, it was it was good enough for what they were doing. You know, and of course, like I said before, she was absolutely gorgeous. So when you watch those videos of hers, you can't take your eyes off her. Yeah, because you know? she was like, she was stunning. I don't yeah. know what, that was yeah. something. Yeah, and there was something about her. She was, uh, you know, a uh, fashion icon. She was starting to become at that point. I also think she might have been like some kind of a witch that she no. put a spell on us. I'll bring that up in the conspiracy, but. Okay, now we're getting to the 420. This, this fucking woman, was, she put a spell on you. Like, even yeah. today, she still looks beautiful. And she's yes. like, what? 70 years old she's Jesus like, Christ she's like 73 something like yeah. that yeah and uh, like holy shit yeah yeah well you know so what do you do at that point you got a multi-platinum album yeah okay you're gonna make another one yep. so they made Eat to the Beat uh, which came out in October of 79 now that album didn't do quite as well okay but I actually like a lot of the songs on that album that album has Dreaming on it uh, Union City Blue um, it ended up going to number 17 in the U.S., and it actually went to number one in the U.K. So they were still kicking it in, in, the the, UK. In, in the U.K., even though it was waning a little bit here. But it was only waning for a little while because uh, by November of 80, they released Auto American. Now, one thing i got to mention about the Eat to the Beat album, which was unique at the time, is, is the record company convinced them to do a video for each song. Okay, which was kind of new at that point but know? it was also huge because well, videos were, looking, were just people, starting people, to come people, out you know every time he went on like every like every like fucking um abc had a video show in the morning yeah um um well nbc it was, it had was videos used, you know, overnight like that friday night video promo videos were always used for bands what would happen is if they you know, for some reason scheduling whatever they couldn't get on a live show i mean the stones and the beatles had promo videos yeah okay but by 79 it was becoming like a new thing where you put a single out you make a video yeah okay eventually mtv would grab onto that two years later in 81 and get all those videos and start showing them and then yeah. it took off yeah but it was unheard of at that point for a band to do a, a, a video for each song yeah you know so they did that and uh, you can you can get that today you can still see those videos and uh they're cool as hell. Yeah, you could go on YouTube. You know, there's that one, on one, there's one video uh, for the song, The Hardest Part. And I think that's the sexiest thing I've ever seen her do. She, first of all, she's wearing a black wig. Okay, so she's not blonde. She's not blonde. And she's wearing, like, you know, a very skimpy outfit, prancing around in front of, like, a wall with graffiti on it and everything. And it's just, like, the whole reason I went through puberty. You know, the way, <laughs> the way I describe her, she's, like, that trashy hot. I don't know how to I don't think she's trashy. That. No, she's like that. Maybe. Like, like, you look at her, she's all this, but you know, no, like, she's like, this, in this. the bedroom, she'll be like, hit me in the shit, oh. like, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
That's what I mean by that. Oh, man. <laughs> like, oh. imagine banging the uh, fucking dirty hands. She would oh, fucking grab please, you and she please. would say some shit to you that you'd be like, oh, motherfucker. Man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, but even with that, she's got like a classiness to her and everything. I, I don't know. I always dug up. A million I, I, guys I, I, can say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we, I, all, we all had something. But I was, she was like that trashy, like, oh, man, you are so dirty. <laughs> God loves you. <laughs> so, um... <coughs> 1980 comes along and they start recording on um, another album called Auto American. Now this album would be a, a big hit. This was the one that had Todd is high on it and Rapture, and it would eventually go to uh, number I, seven, I, right, yeah. number seven in the uh, charts here in the states. And uh, it's a uh, you know I I have to say out of the original albums that they did, I think it's my least favorite. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean Todd is high. I can listen to. You know, it's an old reggae song. It was a cover yeah. by uh, the Paragons, uh, originally did it in the late 60s. And they do a good version of it. Um, but to be honest with you, I can't stand Rapture. Never liked it. The rap one? Rapture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, it's like, I don't know. To me, it, it, it was too far from what they were. At that point, I never got into that song. But you know what? Her voice is incredible. Oh, yeah. She no, and no, look, look, and, and, she does, and, look, and I mean, that's she, a song they play that I. Yeah, yeah. Even I mean, to today, I, you hear it every whenever, so often. And it's a song that they, you know, they'll do live and everybody goes crazy. Yeah. You know, but I, it was, that album was kind of like a, uh, almost experimental. There's like some very avant-garde sounding songs, instrumentals on there some like jazz sounding yeah, song. Yeah, it was a very different album. They yeah. put a little bit of everything. They put a little bit of reggae, they put a little bit of yeah. pop, a little right. bit of rap. So it was a very well, A lot of people don't know. Talk about album. reggae, the you know, the reggae influence in Blondie goes back to the beginning. I mean, what the song Heart of Glass yeah. started off as a reggae yeah. song. It was called Once I Had a Love. Yeah. And there's a demo version you can you can hear it on one of the uh, one of the compilation CDs out there. Um, <clears throat> it's like, uh, just like a straight up reggae, like, chuka, 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 you know, kind of guitar sound. And they just, uh, you know, Jimmy Destry just stuck some keyboards on there and it became a disco song. Yeah. You know, and it was a huge hit. But, um, uh, they, at this point, the band was starting to, uh, to have problems. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it was over mismanagement, uh, there was some drug abuse going on, yeah. infighting, and uh, they took a little bit of a break. A big, they took a big break. Well, there's one more yeah. album. There's one more album before they, the big break. Yeah, because they broke up in what in '82, and they didn't get back together until '97, something like that. How many years is 99. that? '99. They they actually uh, made one more album called The Hunter, and that came out in October of '81. It's it's an okay album. It's it's not great. It, it's it's okay. It's listenable. That's a shit album. It's a shit album. <laughs> I like it better than Auto American. It's a throw. <laughs> the, the, the hunt is a throwaway album. It's like it, he it, did it, something it, I remember you guys. seeing it in the cutout bins yeah. like six months later. Like, you know, yeah, it was gone. It was it, it didn't sell at all. Um, but by October of '81, that album came out, and definitely the band was was having some problems. They they were trying to. Uh, do the theme song from For Your Eyes Only, the James Bond movie. Yeah. And they actually wrote a song called For Your Eyes Only. It was rejected. And uh, they gave it to Sheena Easton, who has a different song with the same title. Yeah. You know. <clears throat> um, but what was happening at that point was uh, Chris Stein was getting sick. He uh, was losing a lot of weight. Uh, there was rumors he had AIDS, you know, uh, cancer, all these things. 
he didn't have that luckily but he did have something very rare disease and it's called pemphigus uh it's kind of like you get like all these blisters under your skin almost it's not really always outside it's you know it's a very rare skin disease Jesus Christ. and you can die from it okay but uh he was in bad shape i think is also some kind of you have to stay out of the sun when you when you have it it's like you got to stay inside and you know they broke up the band you know debbie debbie said i'm just going to take care of him and that's what happened and uh they ended up it took about two or three years for him to get well finally he did he beat it and uh but sadly during that time the whole thing took a toll on their relationship so they were no longer a couple they were just friends yeah and but they've remained friends through this through the whole thing the whole until now they're even good friends i think they lived in the same building for a long time um he since has gotten married to somebody else but uh you know um they've collaborated in other musical solo stuff she was doing yeah. after that and uh she started to this was the mid 80s she had released some solo records uh she was doing some acting remember she was in Videodrome yeah remember that that movie yeah. you know um but through the 80s Blondie didn't exist anymore and I had seen her live I think it was like 1989 at the World over on Second Street in Avenue C. Oh my God! I remember, was, that, remember, yeah, that, remember that club? That's fucking and old. She was uh, she was doing a, uh, an album called Deaf, Dumb, and Blonde, which was like an MTV hit kind of thing. But I, w- I went because I heard she was doing some like offbeat Blondie songs that hadn't been done in a while. Yeah. <clears throat> and I remember I think it was for the encore. She came out and she did a song called Cautious Lip. Which is off the Plastic Letters album. Yeah. You know, and that was a great night. She had Chris Stein on guitar that night. You know, I was like right in front of the stage, boom. Damn. Right there. Okay. Um, but Blondie was, you know, kind of in the rearview mirror of everybody right now. But 1997 comes along, and uh, they end up reuniting the band. Okay. And they made an album called No Exit, and that was uh, a, 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 it was a bigger hit in the UK. They were still big they in still the UK, big in a year. yeah. But there was that one single, Maria. Yeah, Maria. Which, oh, yeah, yeah. It, which it was, was a great ev- song. I, I liked every, it. I it liked was it. everywhere. Yeah, I liked it. It didn't it didn't go like top ten in the states, but it still was a song that you heard a lot. It was a top twenty of these. It I might have been. I'm not it was sure. Definitely top it was top. It was definitely top forty. Because I but, heard it every time. Um, yeah. Like it was on. It was it was on the radio like every Maria. Yeah, and MTV was yeah. playing the oh. video. Yeah. You know. Um, and they've been together ever since now. It's been it's been uh, 22 years, okay? And they've released albums every couple of years. Yeah. There might be a good song here and there. Um, I'm glad she's still around, you know. Uh, if you if you can have a chance to see Blondie, they're, they're always good. I've seen them a couple of times with this, uh, you know, new new lineup. They had originally, uh, well, Chris Stein's always going to be in the band. Yeah. But uh, they had Jimmy Destry in the beginning when they got back together. He's not with them anymore. Um, and they actually got some young guys playing with them, you know, but, uh, they're still good. I saw a free show last summer at Eisenhower Park out in Nassau County, and they were great. She's got a great voice. Yeah. Still can sing, you know, still can sing. And I saw her another time at Coney Island with Pat Benatar. That was a good show. Um, 
you know, De Debbie's just one of these people. She's a, a real New Yorker. She is a fashion icon. She's, Let me answer a question. Yeah. Will you hit her now? Yes. She's 70. <laughs> Sorry to my wife, but yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just had to go there. And I, I, I didn't hesitate. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't even have Black Anthony here to run a convention. <laughs> oh, my God. And she's like 73. Yeah. 73, 74 now. Yeah, yeah. that's like my yeah. Kel Welch. She's still look good for years. She look good. Look at Sophia Loren. Oh my God. Okay, now she's like 80. Yeah. Right. I mean. Yeah. You might. You might have. You might. You might have. You might have to just to say you did. Just to say. Oh man. But uh, so who are we gonna give a shout out today? I got two people I want to give a uh, shout out. Oh, let's talk about Frank. Oh, and Frank Infante. Yeah, Frank Infante. Okay. He, this guy, uh, you know, that guy's I, a slapdick motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, he he's he's he he's sued them a couple of times uh, during the Auto American recordings when when that album came out. He sued them. I think it was for not having worked on the album, even though he was in the band. And they said that he did work on the album. You know, yeah. that was settled out of court. Um, I think by the Hunter album, I think he wasn't even on that album. And then when they reunited, he sued them again for not asking him to be in the band. Well, you know, why would they ask him to be in the band in a reunion if he fucking sued them yeah, 30, sued you know, 20 years him. earlier? You know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. But I'm not going to say anything bad about Frank. I've seen Frank around, you know, in the clubs here. I remember one time uh, uh, the Waldos were playing at the Continental and, and Frank Infante jumped up and did a couple of songs. It was cool. Oh, yeah. You know, he's a cool guy. I think, um, um, that um, what's we call it? Um, guy, a guy, a guy like him that was on the band, and and then they didn't invite him because he sued him a few times. Uh, there should be no reason that he's offended by that because he fucking sued him. You pretty much, you pretty much cut People will sue for you anything. You cut the head that biting you. It, it's all about money. Man. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. about trying to get something. You know, it's almost like extortion. Yeah, it is like extortion. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh. Album, album of the week, all right, is going to be Blondie's Eat to the Beat. And the reason I say that is because if you if you buy that on Amazon or wherever you buy your CDs these days, um, it comes with a DVD of that video collection I mentioned earlier. Like, a, there's a video for every song on the album. So get that. Uh, it's worth it. The album's great, too, but uh, it's you, you, you'll never, believe me, you'll never w listen to the album. You'll watch the DVD. And, you know, it's from, you know, beginning to the end exactly in the same order as the album. And uh, it's just great stuff, great video of that time. It was like 1980, 1979, 1980. And uh, she looks great in every every video. Um, Want to give a shout-out to Boogie, right? Boogie Lives. Boogie Lives, down at Clockworks. Go see him down there. And... Uh, Facebook friend of mine's birthday today, uh, Matt Nuskine. I'd like to say happy birthday to you. And also I'd like to give a shout-out to um, Ugly Things Magazine. Uh, if you don't know Ugly Things Magazine, you should. All right, they've been around for about 35 years, and um, they're, they put out their 50th issue just this last month. And uh, they come out of it maybe like uh, three times a year, something like that. But it's a fat magazine. I have a subscription to it. It's all underground bands from going back to the 50s and 60s to now. 
and in-depth interviews. Uh, bands you heard of, bands you never heard of. And I mean, when I get this magazine every uh, every time, I go right to the record review section, and I gar I'm guaranteed to find something that I'm going to buy, and 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 listen to, you know, because this it's always st there's so much music out there. You have to just look for it. That's yeah. where we're at right now with music. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, 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 you're saturated with this pop stuff that's out there. Oh, it's so much crap. It's just crap, you know. It's and then, but if you want to listen to underground music, real music, you could find things. You just have to look. But the reason I want to give a shout out to Ugly Things is they uh, they always have a gone but not but not forgotten section in the back of the magazine, and they did mention my buddy Rick Rivets in it, who did pass away in February. So. Special shout out to Ugly Things and the editor Mike Stacks and all that. I thank you for that. Um, some upcoming shows. Yeah, what's all coming right? up? May fifth next week. We got the uh, the other half of the A7 reunion of the hardcore bands. Vinny Stigma is going to be there. Oh. Um, caught in a trap. A couple other bands. Um, the last one two weeks ago was fantastic. The Undead played. They were great. Uh, went all day from two in the afternoon to like eight o'clock at night. Uh, over at what's now Niagara, Niagara used yeah. to be called A7 back yeah. in the day on 7th and, uh, and Avenue A. Um, May 1st this week, Patti Smith is playing Webster Hall. I think that show is sold out. Dude, but I, I got to tell you, I, uh, I'm not a Jay-Z fan, but I met some, some guys that went. Yeah. Say, they said the show was off the chart. Really? They said it was a great show. I'm just curious to see what the renovation looked yeah, like and what the, they, what they see, did. But, but they went in there and they said that the show was off the chart. He said, really? no bullshit, it was a great show. Like, it was very... He said they put a hell of a show. You know right. me, I'm not a Jay-Z fan. No, I know you're not. I'm not but, really but, either. And, but, and, but the guys that went are not fan of his either, and they say it was hey, an look, amazing it, show. Hey, look, you, you must have something if, if, if people that aren't even your fans saying yeah. that it's good. Yeah, they say it's good. Like yeah. a couple weeks ago when I saw the Wallflowers open for Martha Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I never, I never liked good. the Wallflowers. Yeah. I always thought they sucked. I didn't give a shit that was Bob Dylan's son. Sorry, okay? But I was wrong. Because they put on a pretty good live show. Yeah. They were heavier than they ever sounded on record. I can tell you that much. I think they're a band that sounds better live than a record. Yeah. Cause when record, I didn't, I, you know, yeah. and that goes like they must have something. Yeah. If a, a person who's a non-fan is going, yeah. yeah, you know, but they were pretty damn good. Yeah. Um. So Patty Smith is playing Webster Hall, the new uh, renovated, renovated Webster Hall. Yeah. And um, on the ninth, uh, I'm gonna mention about the Hard Swallow. They're doing a show called. Uh, Machine Girl Punk, and they got DJ Spike Polite is doing it, so that should be cool. Head over there on. And the I night. think Adriana got a show coming Who? up to Adriana. Uh, oh yeah, the, uh, Adriana has a show coming up. Um, I think it's May tenth. May tenth, something like that. I'll I'll definitely get back to you next Sunday about that. Uh, she mentioned something to me. I'm gonna go check her out. Uh, Billy the artist mentioned that she was really good, and I'm sure she is. Yeah. Um, so she had. Instagrammed out about that the other day, and I'm definitely gonna go check that out. That's over at the, the Red broken, Room. The Broken Time Machine. Broken Time Machine. Yeah. She does some interesting covers and stuff like that. I'm also um, I'm gonna plug. Uh, I got tickets for Tommy London on Arden Grocery for uh, May 15. I got two tickets available for anybody that wanna come. Let me know. Okay. I'll be there. If you wanna come? Let me know. What day is it? It's May 15. It's a Wednesday, and it's Tommy. Where's that? Uh, Arden's Grocery. Tommy okay. London, so I got tickets if you want to go. Pro Let me know. Probably, probably. I think it's like a, it's a late show. It's like 10 o'clock, I think. Well, it's not you that know. late. 
Yeah, I can wing it. Get, that's, <laughs> that's where he does his thing. Uh, so I uh, would we'll definitely be in Arlene's Grocery for May 15th. Probably see, do some uh, maybe a little podcasting from there. Maybe like a live video or something. Yeah, we could do something, you know, you know, me and you at the show. Yeah. You know, that'd be cool. So we're we'll definitely doing that. And um, what else we have? Uh, next week. Okay, we're going to talk about, and I've been trying to get this together for a while. It's going to be a good show on the Bad Brains. Bad Brains, Okay, right. and I want to also talk about, like, the reggae connection in punk rock. Uh, something I've been wanting to talk about for a while with you guys. Um, that should be good next week. And, we, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to do something about the rock, old rock venues here in the city. And, oh, uh, yeah, that's what that should uh, be. Uh, we may do something on Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello, yeah. Um, bunch of things. Well, you know, we got a whole summer coming, man. We're going to come We're up with some great yeah. good stuff. Um, so, people, remember, this is Rocker Mike. I am Rob Rossi. And um, how can people uh, reach you? Okay. Uh, well, I'm on Facebook, uh, Rocker Mike Baker. Okay, you can find me there. Um, also on Instagram, Rocker Mike 212. And Twitter, Rocker Mike 3. Yeah, Twitter. I see that you're doing an interesting thing, like you're putting like the song of the day every day. Yeah, which is kind yeah, of cool. you know, I'm just picking from all different eras. Uh, you know, I might play some from the '60s or something from now. You know, anything uh, that strikes my fancy for that day. Yeah. You know, but you know, listen to it. You know, it might be a song that you never heard or maybe you only heard of. You know, and you get into it. That's that's why I'm here, everybody. I'm trying to turn you on to stuff. Yeah, to new stuff. To stuff that's old, but it's new to you it's, if you it, never heard it. Well, right. Well, music, there's no such thing as old and new. Okay, music is music is music, and it's either good or it's not. And I, I, I will follow this with, fuck your call, no? I still hate her. <laughs> <laughs> My that, hatred that, for that, that, that woman. Consp- the Conspiracy 420 show the other day. Oh, if man. you have a chance to listen to it, folks, oh listen to God. it. Oh, my God. I lost my Rob, fucking brain. Rob was totally out of his mind. <laughs> so, guys, what do we do here? We get lumped up. We don't get drunk. We, we get lumped that's up. That's right. Have a good weekend, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Okay, bye-bye. Come here.